Hello, and thanks for listening to Behind the Brand, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of some of Australia's most exciting small business success stories. I'm your host, Jen LA, a serial entrepreneur who loves talking all things small business. Each week, I'll sit down with an incredible founder and ask them to share it all, the good, the bad, and the ugly, on my mission to find out exactly what it takes to run a successful small business. From startups to scale-ups and international success stories, you'll hear it all right here on Behind the Brand. If you love what you're hearing and want more, find me on Instagram and TikTok at behindthebrand.podcast. Of course, sharing the good vibes is always appreciated. Share this episode on your stories or leave a podcast review. A little bit of love goes a long, long way. But for now, sit back, relax and enjoy while I take you behind the brand. Everybody, happy Wednesday and welcome to this week's episode of Behind the Brand. Sitting down to record today's episode felt like a bit of a full circle moment for me. I had the pleasure of working with these two incredible businesswomen back in 2016 and to sit down again now six years later and hear how their brand has expanded, evolved, exploded even was such a pleasure. So my guests today are... Laura Henshaw and Steph Miller, or as you may know her previously, Steph Claire Smith, the incredible co-founders behind Keep It Cleaner, or as we call it, Kick. Kick is a health and wellness app, and they also have an incredible podcast to go alongside it. They are changing so many people's lives. They have hundreds of thousands of people who have used the app. They're reaching people in over a hundred countries, and their brand is just going from strength to strength. We sit down today and talk about their transition into business women at such a young age what it takes to build a industry leading app, because honestly, I have absolutely no idea and why it is so important for all business owners to step out from their brand, be the face of their brand and connect with the audience. And here's a spoiler, even people with successful brands feel imposter syndrome and feel nervous about doing this. So you're not alone. I know you're going to love today's episode as much as I loved recording it. So let's get straight into it. Steph and Laura, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so happy to see you. So it's actually been probably five years yeah. since I was sitting across from you guys at a cafe in <laughs> Ivanhoe. Yeah, I think I spilt my green teapot all over our laptops and everything. And we we're talking about doing a product, which I think we can touch on later as of like an interesting collab story. But for people who might not know who you guys are, which I'm sure is not many people, who are you and what do you do? Ah, who are we? Well, my name is Laura and I am the co-founder of Keep It Cleaner. And I'm Steph, the other co-founder of Keep It Cleaner. <laughs> what is Keep It Cleaner? So Keep It Cleaner is a health and fitness app and through nutrition, mindfulness and movement, we help people find their personal recipe for a healthier and happier life. And for Steph and I, living a healthy life is something that we were really lucky. We were born into families where we did a lot of sport. We played a lot of sport. We were really active. We ate really well. And once you feel 
the way that you can feel when you're living a healthy life and looking after your body. And it's not about living 100% healthy and never having any balance. Absolutely not. Because that's that's also not enjoyable. That's not enjoyable at all. That's not a happy life. Um, you just, I think for us, we just want to share it with others so they can feel exactly the same way. So yeah, that's what Kiki is. The health can be your chocolate chip cookies that are incredible. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right. So you started, so say 2015, we're going to go through this chronologically. Mm-hmm. 2015, was the cookbook. Mm-hmm. I remember the cover of this. <laughs> I remember the photos of it from this. Tell me about, before you launched it, so that was 2015, tell me about Steph and Laura in 2014. Yeah. Before any of this started, before Keep It Cleaner was even a phrase, mm. what were you doing? So 2014 was when we both travelled. Uh, I was over in the States for about 10 months trying to model full-time. I say trying because trying. I didn't get a lot of work over there. <laughs> uh, but it was something I had always dreamed of doing, being a full-time model at the time. And I loved it. It was a, quite an experience, but it was a bit of a roller coaster as well because that time, Steph, in 2014, that was probably when I was at my lowest confidence-wise. Uh, I had a really horrible relationship with food and exercise. And, yeah, I was away from family for most of the year. So it was it was a really tough time. Uh, I wouldn't take it back because there were so many experiences that really shaped who I am. But that's who Steph was in 2014. And, and I'd met Laura just before that trip. So we also were, I think, pen palling almost. <laughs> Facebook messaging. Yeah, 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 yeah. Over the time. But you were in Europe. Yeah. So in 2014, I was... I was at uni, I was doing law and I can't remember if I had, no, I would have changed degrees by then. I started in law arts and I moved to law business, Um, but I had deferred a semester of uni for half of that year to model overseas Mm -hmm. and I was in Milan. I had gone to, it was a very interesting experience. I would not do it again, again, do not, I don't know if I, okay, if I, I I don't regret anything because I think, you know, everything that we, we do and that Seven Eye has done has led us to where we are now. And I think especially that experience for me overseas made me go through a really tough time with my body um, and how I felt about it. But, but in a I way think, you wouldn't wish it upon anyone. No, exactly yeah. right. But I also did at the t- I think I just had this idea that modelling overseas would be this I don't know, it was like, whoa, like imagine Mm. if, you know, I could do that, like an international model. Mm -hmm. And then I got there and I was like, this is not what I thought it would be. It's not glamorous whatsoever. And it wasn't, I think if I look back on the best use of my time at that time, I probably would have done other things like travelled around Europe instead. No, Um, but you did do something useful with your extra time. Yeah. Oh, yes. Well, I did. So one thing that it did it did help with was I started a blog because I was so used to at night after I would work part-time to go home and um, study for uni or do an assignment or whatever it might be. And because I deferred, I was like, what am I going to do in my spare time? And when you are modeling overseas and you're not very good at it, you have a lot of (laughs) spare time. Um, I started a blog. So I'd always been really passionate about kind of creating recipes. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of at the stage where I, I was really embarrassed to do it. You know, when you do anything that's kind of outside of what you're doing at that time you're always so worried about other people's judgment it's like before you start any business or put yourself out there it's Mm -hmm. like oh what will people think of me who do I think I am to be able to do this but I did I that's what really pushed me to start my blog because I wanted to do something you know have something on the side to do and yeah and was it called fit food nearly food fit and repeat repeat. okay I remember and I remember when you guys launched keep it cleaner 
because I had my food back then. I didn't put two and two together, your connection with the blog. Mm. I didn't realise you were the same person. How funny. <laughs> yeah. 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 I understand that that kind of hesitation that people have. And this is actually something I've got in here to ask you guys about, about stepping out from behind your brand. Now, you guys, did you meet at work? Yeah. Yeah, yes. through modelling. We, we met yeah. at uh-huh. uh, it was my first Melbourne my first fashion week, Melbourne fashion week, like, like I did a lot my of them. My first and last. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, it was kind of my first experience really in them. I'd only started modelling a few months before that, so it was my first experience. And I just had this idea of what it would be like, like everyone was going to be yeah. so mean. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why I thought that maybe from the movies, but then I met Steph. Um, I was and, happy to prove her wrong. Yeah, <laughs> and, we, and we became friends. And then because we both, we both went through, and again, this is another reason I, I don't regret what I went through because we both then went overseas and went through through definitely different journeys with, Mm. you know, our body image and um, how we felt about ourselves. But they were also had a lot of similarities, so we really connected mm. on that mm-hmm. um, and could relate to each other and that's kind of how we started to, to build and form our friendship. What made you guys go, okay, we're, we're in this other industry, but mm. let's get together and do something kind of more positive, more productive, more empowering to people? Like what made you want to step up and become business owners? So I think as Laura touched on, we – we related to one another a lot. We yeah. had a lot of kind of uh, very similar experiences yeah. in the way that we looked at, you know, our own diet and exercise routine. And I think we were just both really sick of what we were seeing on social media in particular. I mean, modeling, we were always used to that extra external pressure of, you know, just trying to be the skinniest person you could possibly mm-hmm. be. That happens, in, especially in the overseas industry. We both yeah. copped that from our agencies overseas. Um, but it really was – social media was playing a really strong um, – really strong ball game in the you know quick fix diet culture Uh, everything we saw on there was like abs in five minutes or you know drink this tea and shit yourself um (laughs) like it it was that was it was just flooding our feeds with that um and so we kind of wanted to you know for lack of better words cut through all of that bullshit and kind of take it back to basics like we as laura touched on we both grew up in families that you know, really, um, we were both really active and we loved sports. Yep. We loved being active. We both um, had a relatively normal diet as in, you know, we didn't really know what the term diet was until we were much older and we started reading magazines and stuff because our families brought us up in just that kind of wholesome way that's just yeah. like here's the food and you eat it and that's all you think yeah, about. Yeah. Um, and so I think we kind of wanted to get back to that mindset of seeing food as fuel and just knowing it was something that, you know, you you ate to survive and Mm -hmm. to have energy Mm -hmm. and to not really look at it in any other way. And then to enjoy exercise again, like not have to use it as a punishment for something that you might've eaten or the fact that you had to have two rest days and, it was just such an unhealthy roller coaster that we were both on and we were really passionate to try and share our experiences or share different ways that you could go about eating to help others. And I think that's where the whole idea with the cookbook came from was I loved cooking at the time and I loved also creating um, Laura's, you know, she had so many beautiful sweet treats on her mm-hmm. blog that I loved recreating, yeah. particularly when I was living alone overseas. And so I would often want to want to share those and then I would have the most random kind of big savoury dishes that I really loved putting together as well and it just kind of this question of what are you eating came up. And whilst that question was probably coming from the wrong place, you know, it was probably coming from the what place of what are you eating skinny? so I can look like you, mm-hmm. um, we did want to share them because both of us wrote recipes in a way that wasn't about, you know, 
counting to a certain calorie or macro or anything like that. It wasn't looking at the food as numbers. It was just using really wholesome, nutritious ingredients and still making sure that the food tasted good. So we just decided it wasn't a business plan at the start. It was honestly a passion project. We really wanted to put 37 of our favorite recipes together um, as, yeah, just a bit of a fun project to do on the side. Laura was studying and and working and I was full-time modeling at the time and it ended up going a lot better than we yeah. ever dreamed of. Well, how so. was it received to start with? Because that's that's something completely different for your audiences. Yeah, I mean, it was we had to so at that point. Oh no, we didn't actually have a we didn't have a specific social media page for it. So no, we were promoting it. it we actually sold it through my modeling website. Yeah, so this is where we were at. <laughs> We sold it on like, I think it was like stephclasemans.com or something. It was and some we website have to, set up like, myself. It's, it's a fun place, but where we launched it as well, like reflecting on, we launched a health and fitness, or not fitness, but health recipe book, healthy recipe book at the Emerson. Yeah. Okay. Super random. Rooftop, you know, yeah. if we were going to plan an event now, You'd maybe do it like wouldn't nice probably be considered, of. you know. Totally. That, but you but know, we, we, we used our like connections and it, honestly, mm-hmm, that's yeah. what, that's how we launched. We like the designer behind our ebook was a friend from my high school. Um, the photographer who shot all the photos, we'd worked with both of us in the modeling industry. The place where we launched, as Laura just touched on the Emerson, we had connections there to have an event for a lot cheaper than it was lovely there's nothing wrong with that no but it was great but just we made the most of what we exactly exactly but I'm sure as well I think we look back in retrospect and we go I shouldn't have done this this is embarrassing but like it would have made sense at the time it would have made perfect sense at the time and I think if we had have waited until we had the perfect venue yeah the perfect (laughs) venue or even to get to that point we probably would have wanted to have sold x amount of books Mm. to be able to like get a venue that was maybe more appropriate but it would have cost more and then we probably would have had to get you know PR and get an event mm-hmm. styles and we just we didn't have those resources yeah. mm. so we thought you know in what with what we have right now what can we do and you know it at the time it worked for us and it was it was fantastic and I think it's something that a lot of business owners you feel like you have to something has to be 100% perfect yeah. before you launch it yeah. And I mean, we definitely could have done a little bit more editing of the ebook because I <laughs> so think I mean it had some areas. spelling errors, which yeah. is not <laughs> not a great look. Um, but I think for us, it's that we could have waited another year until we, you know, we had a rollout plan and you know all these other things yeah. that Full now strategy. we have for Kick. Yeah, mm-hmm. but back then it was this is how we, we'd never done it before. So like, let's just give it a go, mm-hmm. and, and that's what we did. What I would love to ask you is, given that you both had established followings before launching it. As well as there's, I guess there's an element where it can work for you, their interest, they're already asking you what you're eating. Do you think any of that worked against you? Did you have any kind of naysayers or people who underestimated you or were like, why are you playing in this field? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing for us has probably been that people put us in the box and underestimate us in terms of that we are, and there's nothing wrong with being an influencer. Like that's something that that we do. But Steph and I now are businesswomen, like we Mm -hmm. run we run Keep It Cleaner. It's, it's quite Absolutely. a big business. It's our full-time job. And quite big. <laughs> it's quite big, you're right. Yeah. Um, and so for us, I think it's being put in the box of, you know, being an influencer and a model mm-hmm. um, when we are so much more than that Absolutely. and not being taken seriously. But I think where we've got Keep It Cleaner to now is that Kick is not – Steph and I are a part of it. You know, we're a mm-hmm. part of the community, but it's not about us. Keep It Cleaner <laughs> is its own brand yes. that sits on its own. Um, and so I think that's – been really really important too in what we're doing so yeah yeah no I completely agree and I think I just choose to look at the positives instead like without us having our 
you know, previous brands or our brands of being individuals and being influencers and starting there, we wouldn't have had the opportunities that we've had or we wouldn't have the kind of connections that we do that we learnt from along the way that enabled us to have the confidence to to grow to kick to what it is now. So yeah. it is one of those things that um, for a while was a bit frustrating to try and continue to prove yourself to someone. And as Laura touched on, I have nothing, there's, I have nothing against someone calling me an influencer because I absolutely do influence people mm-hmm. and I'm, I totally accept that. But I think it's hard when behind the scenes you're working hard on something and someone would assume that maybe you're just the face that they put on the image and mm-hmm. you've done nothing to yes. actually add value um, outside of the external. So I think that's that's something that used to bother us both. I feel like we've both grown away from that though, totally. Uh, it doesn't, it's not something that bothers me anyway, mm. anymore. I, I think too that now that we call ourselves businesswomen, if you do something for long enough, people will, will change the narrative around you. And mm. I think it's taken some time, but it's absolutely mm. people now, it's like often, especially in media. I mean, obviously, as you know, working in PR, you can't always change um the way that or you can't always kind of write the way that people are mm-hmm. going to describe your mm-hmm. your brand founders mm-hmm. but what we're finding now is the narrative has really changed and we've yeah. put a lot of work into with our fantastic team to to change that yeah. um but it's interesting even in reflecting i think that the fact that we weren't you know pts or mm. dietitians or mm-hmm. you know experts has actually, well, at the start, I am um, originally, when I finished year 12, I was enrolled in dietetics oh. and I got my ATAR back and was like, oh, I could get into law. So I, that'll make my mum and dad happy. I'll do that. <laughs> like, I had no idea about anything. Don't worry. <laughs> but anyway, I, for a long time, I really regretted the fact that I didn't do dietetics because you know it would have worked so well for what we do but Mm -hmm. then I think when we reflect on it one thing that how that's really helped us is Steph and I the role that we play within keep it cleaner with our community is the role of being their friend Um, and not being the expert that you know we've got incredible experts at Mm -hmm. keep it cleaner we're we're so lucky with like the leading PTs we've got dietitians um, and meditation experts but we're there as their friends we're not there to tell Mm -hmm. them you know this is what you should eat or you know this is the workout you should do because we have our experts for that so I think it's enabled us to play a role that's meant we can really connect with our community Mm -hmm. my sister uses kick run and she can attest she's like you know it's just I'm running and then Laura's like you can do it it." (laughs) now let's talk about the business brand offering and how that's kind of changed so we're going to look at it chronologically Mm. um 2015, we said ebook. Then it's been that's about three years mm. between that and the app, and that's probably. Do you think that was a big turning point for the brand when you transitioned into an app? Yeah. So there was a few steps in between yeah. there. So from we, 2015, we launched the ebook, and mm-hmm. then from there we. So I then had my. I still had my blog at that point. Mm-hmm. We then my blog had accumulated around 50. I'm going to say 50,000 followers mm-hmm. on I Instagram. Think, I think at that point around that. there. We also mm-hmm. had our personal following. Steph had a very big mm-hmm. personal following, much mm-hmm. more than 50, probably over a million at that point. I would I say don't it was it was significant. Mm-hmm. Um, so from there, what we did was we. Because when you release an ebook, you just release it and then it's. Well, we didn't all. think it was going to become a brand. No, mm. no, but we then, didn't. I mean, I, yeah. maybe we'd hoped, but you know, we didn't know. We didn't know what we didn't have a plan. We didn't yeah. know what it was going to become. But it we was gave called it a Keep go. It Clean as well. It yes. was. It was. So we are. <laughs> so we changed it, and what we decided to do was, you know, we put this ebook out there, and then it's kind of done. So we're mm-hmm. like, what can we do that we can start connecting with people? Because mm-hmm. we think that there's a in now the fitness space. I mean, it has always been very, very saturated, but even more so that the mm-hmm. health 
health and fitness, especially in subscription program is, is quite programs is quite saturated. Mm. But we kind of thought, hang on, there's no one really talking to this audience that of people that obviously from the ebook we knew that people enjoyed healthy recipes that tasted good, that weren't complicated, that didn't cost a lot of money to make, and then also weren't kind of tasting like stevia and water. Oh my you know? God, stevia don't with no exactly. <laughs> Just thinking about that's like fully calorie counting mm-hmm. and and really deprivation focused. And so we thought there's this audience here. They really have enjoyed the, the ebook went really well. How can we continue to serve them with something else? But what can we do to you know grow this and mm-hmm. make this more than the ebook? And so we we changed the we had this we had my blog page, but it didn't make sense because we wanted to do a website for me to have my blog and then also to have a keep it mm-hmm. cleaner when we change we then changed the name to keep it cleaner website mm-hmm. um so we i stopped my blog we changed the instagram name of my blog to keep it cleaner mm-hmm. which would not recommend anyone listening to just change your instagram name if you have some followers on there but what was fine is that it was still it was still me and it was mm-hmm. also steph which a lot of people from my blog loved as well yeah. and the content was exactly the I was same say, it was the content it was, was in line. health and yeah. health and wellness yeah. content it wasn't like we were it was i had a handbag instagram and then all of a sudden <laughs> i started posing fitness because that yeah. wouldn't have worked but the audience was it was what it was they wanted to see yeah. exactly right so we then launched a subscription website, which back then there was not many subscription websites. I don't – Netflix was probably around, but it was not – Absolutely was Like around, it was now. Yeah. There, you know, we didn't have five subscription streaming mm-hmm. services on our phones mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. So it was six ninety five, I believe, and it was for th- three recipes and one workout. So it was a very, very basic mm-hmm. subscription program. Mm-hmm. And we did that for around a year. And then we uh, started working with a bigger company who – did bigger programs and had a big team of like over 50 people Mm. for brands. And so we, at that point, oh, I suppose actually at that point, Keep It Cleaner was more so a, was really quite centered around Steph and I, I would Mm. say. Mm. Um, It didn't really stand on its own at that point. So we did a website program with this big company. And then from there, we thought we just, I think for Steph and I, something that we we keep coming back to, and it's, it's why I think we you know, we're so lucky to do what we do every day now. We're so passionate about the business side. And the way we were working with the other company was that we were very much the talent of the mm-hmm. the program and we weren't working in the business day to day. And I think we just thought we just want to be working on this. Yeah. We had so many ideas of what we wanted to do and where we wanted to take it. And um, so we decided that we would go out on, on our own. Um, and also we didn't have an app and we wanted to have an app. So we went out on our own and we launched the app in 2018. Mm. So there was a period between, so three years, there was three years between the ebook and the app. But during that period, we were able to still work on the brand and exactly yeah, grow the brand, yeah. build an audience. And also, because obviously apps are, are really, really expensive. Um, and so is, you know, having a team yes. and, and be able to save as we went to then be able to fund kind of the next venture. Mm-hmm. And one thing I'm going to quickly like just crowbar into here is that is how I met you in yeah. between those three yeah, years was back is. in Bake Mixes days. We did a cookie mix. Mm-hmm. That was really fun. That was really – I remember like that reaching was out so to exciting. Lynn being For like, okay, I need chocolate, like, how much to all of this. It was honestly such a cool experience to do that with you because for us it was like – Seeing one of our recipes kind of come to life in yeah. a physical product was the coolest thing ever, to be honest. It's also a good way, I think, to test an or- like a different product offering on an audience. Yeah. I think that must have been. I sold in 2018. Yeah, I reckon. Because yeah. I sold in 2018. But we, yeah, we had the ebook before. was about a year old, I reckon, when it happened. So yeah. probably 2016. 
I remember that. I remember emailing you guys. I'd just been at a like a public holiday drinks thing somewhere in the city <laughs> and I got back to my phone and you guys were like, yeah, this sounds great. I'm like, oh my God, we're doing this. We were this so excited. Awesome. And I remember we did a we, – we saw – obviously you sold them through your website online, mm-hmm. but we also – did like Sold a cafe, cafe. pop-up yeah. and yes. we like stood we sat at the table yes, well, right? at oh the front of the God. cafe Isn't and pretty? sold them and had a like meet and <laughs> greet, and greet. But yeah. with the selling of the <laughs> make mixes oh, yeah. I love oh that so much. it is it is such a hustle in the early days and I think this is such yeah. a good lesson to show like everyone goes through it no matter how big your brand ends up everyone goes yeah. through these gritty yeah. Yeah business promotion like trying to work out what works but that was fun now actually you you took me straight to my next question launching an app okay there's words like wireframes all of this stuff this is a big deal launching an app it's not something you just do on a whim it's very technical (laughs) how do you navigate that I wouldn't know I would be googling how do you start an app so did you do that yeah 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 yeah, 100% we did yeah of course so we at that point we, to be completely frank, we had no idea, yeah. absolutely no idea. But I think something that Steph and I have, has always been in our back pocket and has always played to our advantage is how driven we are. And also sometimes how naive we have been <laughs> with what's ahead of us. That's a strength. I think sometimes. A hundred percent. Well, there's no fear because yeah. the fear has gone because, or it's not there because you don't actually think it's scary because you don't know what you're looking at. Yeah. Mm. So we had thought it, I would definitely say we definitely underestimated, you know, what, yeah. how much dev work goes into Because we also have a website that mm-hmm. is the, a very similar linked, offering yeah. to the app. So they have to talk. That's really hard to, it's quite um, in, um, difficult to code in there. And so what we did to start off with was that we partnered with uh, an outsource to an agency mm-hmm. who were fantastic mm-hmm. and helped support us to be able to build the app um when we were so we we had a when we left the big company we had about three months to and the program was still running but we we had a time when it was kind of this limbo period of three months to to get this app going because we had this audience that we knew that we wanted to create something for them so that when the we knew that ended, they were there yeah exactly but when the program ended they would you know we'd have something for mm-hmm. them because if we didn't that obviously would have been just a huge risk for us yeah and so we, we partnered with with an agency and they were extremely supportive for us. Um, and it also enabled us to do, we didn't, we wouldn't, probably wouldn't have been able to, or I would say we wouldn't have been able to, because apps are so expensive up front. And the thing with apps that you need to keep in mind as well, and for us also, I think with our inexperience in Develop, like we're not developers so mm-hmm. I would not have known for the life of me and I think I speak for both of us in how to build a team in 2018 no a, a development team because we just didn't even know where to start so I having the agency the yeah it was a really good kind of start off for us with the app and then the, the thing is also with with apps and I think it's something that maybe not a lot of people realize is that you have to build an app but then the main, maintenance work in keeping an app going, keeping it updated, ensuring there's no crashes and bugs. And if um, iOS or Android update their software, that Mm. your app still works with that. Mm -hmm. There's so much work that goes into maintaining an app. And I think that's something that a lot of people and a lot of people that I speak to that maybe reach out through email or on DMs about some advice on apps is that they do it. (laughs) I mean, it's a wonderful (laughs) way. it's, It's so easy. It's such an easy way for people to access your product. Yeah. But you have to realize that it's not just the upfront cost of building your app. So if you go to an agency and they say, you know, this app is going to cost you 
it's $10,000, probably not, there's probably a bit more than that, but just say $10,000. I think the hard thing is a lot of people think that that is, okay, I'm going to, you know, save for this, I've got Mm -hmm. this invested, I'm going to then do this and then I'll be fine. But it's like, absolutely, you need to maintain this app every single day. Um, And, you know, it keeps, the the costs keep adding up. So now now we have a team of seven developers at Kik, um, which is, yeah, but the thing is, it's, a lot of a lot of work is on maintenance, and that's a really really important part of, of our product roadmap. It just has to be done, and it's been incredible bringing them in house as well, and just having having them within the team and working so closely, you know, with with our marketing team. So we kind of we all work together so collaboratively, which is what I love about our team. But we've got the product team, who is our developers and everything like that, and the way that they work together with the marketing team is just so awesome, and it's so cool because whilst I do not have experience in tech or development and there's no way I could write code, I've learned so much through having them, you know, two meters away from my desk mm-hmm. and being able to ask questions and also being told like where where to draw the line of like we can be big dreamers in the marketing team. We can kind of yeah. think like yeah. there's no ceiling, but there is ceilings that we need to think <laughs> about and they often reel us in. But it's um it's been awesome. And our whole team, the marketing team is so passionate uh, about learning more and more and more. And now, yeah, we're just super lucky with the dev team that we have because they're they're always there to be able to explain every little change that they make or process that they do it's it's pretty it's pretty incredible having them yeah in in the team with us and I think there's something to be said about having people in house and working mm. for the brand because they almost have a bit more skin in the game sometimes than an agency not that they connect with the great. community just yeah. as much as we do yeah they're yeah. fully invested in it yeah. the way you guys are okay so I'm not starting an app so that's what we're just <laughs> that of this. okay let's keep I want to keep going down the timeline so we've got the Kick app launched 2018. By 2020, you had over 250,000 people in 120 countries using the app. So not at once. Just to specify. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just to clarify. So sure. That's how many people you'd helped through yeah, Keep It Clean. Right. How about we say it that way? Yeah, yeah that's nice. Does that number <laughs> just blow your mind? Oh, yeah. yes, 100%. Yeah. I don't even – I probably couldn't name 120 countries. No, so like you know people what? I couldn't either. all over the world that you're helping. Did you, when you see these kind of stats and you think back to getting your friend to help you design the ebook, does it blow <laughs> your mind? Yeah. Oh my goodness, it's crazy. <laughs> I think for us, it's not even that. When I say we've always, what I was saying before about how we're really, really driven, mm-hmm. I think that's something we are both very driven, yeah. and we both, you know, when we met, had big ideas to what we can do. Yeah. But even so. What Kick has become is, I, and I speak, I don't know if I speak for both of us, Steffi, but you you tell me after this, but it's beyond anything, like for me personally, that I had ever dreamed of achieving. It wasn't even something like, oh, my God, imagine if we did this. No, yeah, no. You know, we ticked off what I, you know, my wildest dreams when we, we had that website. Like that mm-hmm. was, I, I couldn't imagine like, wow, we've built a website and, yeah. you know, people, people want it. And, here. Yeah. and so I think that's what has been so incredible in that we've just kept going and it's, you know, we kept, we've kept believing in ourselves and we've never, I think to start off with, we, we didn't have a big business plan and I think it's obviously now we have one, it's very, very important, <laughs> we're a big team. But back then we didn't and I think it's been what we did is that any opportunity that came our way, 
we said yes to. And, you know, if we wanted a door to open and and we couldn't get it open, we'd go find another door. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's just honestly it is so – like it's, it's mind-blowing to look back. And even today we've our team's grown quite a bit recently and we've had to change all the desks around in the office. And I walked in before and I was like, oh, my – like it, it's – it's just, yeah, it's really Surreal. like so often, like honestly, to be honest, twice a week I will look around in, a, in our office and think, oh, my goodness, like look at what kick it's has so become. It's so crazy, isn't it? Yeah. I guess it's one of those things that you just can't possibly envision this when you're starting. Mm. Like you would never allow yourself to dream that big, right? Mm. And how incredible that mm. it's become reality. Oh, I mean, I think back to even even Steph prior to 2014, Steph in high school who told people that she wanted to be a model and was told that it was a dead end job and it was going to fail and I should try harder in school and I did not get a score that would uh, allow me into a law subject. Yeah. I would tell you, you probably you half of like Laura's it. score was my score. Um and but but that's okay because that I knew that my passions weren't in any subject that would I needed a particular score or anything, but I really was quite lost of what exactly I wanted to do. And so as Laura touched on, and yes, I do agree, you, I, I do align with you on that kick has Thanks. gone beyond <laughs> wildest dreams because I wouldn't have even thought that it was an option for me. It's incredible. And then you've gone from September 2020 is when that stat is from, May 2021, kick bump. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's a personal connection yeah. to that. How exciting was it bringing something like that to life that you could kind of lend some personal experience to? It was, it was, it's my like passion project really within the, within the business itself. I love working on kick bump and I think obviously the timing just ended up working in our favor in the, you know, in my favor too, in that Harvey was born like the week that we launched kick bump. And the funny thing is, is it wasn't something that was like, oh, Steph's pregnant. Now we need to do a pregnancy program. It was something that we'd been planning for a long time before that. The community were growing up and, and were kind of, you know, getting to an age where things like that were happening in their lives, different phases. And they were asking for content that was pregnancy mm-hmm. friendly and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. So we were thinking about it. But then when it happened, it was like, okay, we looked ahead at the plan of, you know, all our shoots for the year yeah. and realized, okay, I'm going to start to be pregnant. I probably won't be able to do the normal workout. So we should probably think about getting on top of this pregnancy program. And I think it was really special for me because even as someone who is super passionate about health and fitness and has tried, you know, so many, every different fitness technique under the sun and like have had workouts with many different trainers and, you know, tried everything and felt like I really know my my body and my space, I was still super concerned and super confused when I became pregnant as to what I was allowed to do and what I wasn't allowed to do. And there was so, so much information online that was quite uh, confusing because one blog would say not to do this and another blog would say you can do it. And then one health, prof- even health professionals disagree. Mm-hmm. So it was really, really confusing. And it wasn't until I spoke to, I suppose, my own personal trusted health professionals and then even those that we've brought onto the app now who really encouraged me to be in tune with my body and teach me ways of, you know, being empowered within my own skin and understanding it. And learning about all the fundamentals, like, for example, you know, something that I didn't even know of before I was pregnant was, you know, how important it is to build back up your pelvic floor after giving birth, regardless of whether you have a C-section or birth vaginally. It's so important to do stuff like that before exercise. I had no idea. I had in my head, it was as soon as I got my six weeks clearance from a GP, I'd be able to get back into exercise. Doing burpees, yeah. Yeah, but it's so not the case. And it's been really empowering, I think 
being able to educate our own community on all of that and empower them to really tune in with their body and take their time and you know, when they do get back into exercise, do it for the right reasons and, and feel really good and feel their self again. And yeah, it's it's really special to be a part of and obviously have that personal connection too. And I think that transition in a woman's life is probably so emotional, so Very obviously hormonal, yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. And to have what is a supportive mm. place to go is really special to have created that. So Thanks. well done on that. That's okay. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, and now I'm jumping to kick run. As I said, my sister, big fan, October 2021 is my timeline is telling me. (laughs) Yes. What made you go, you know what, everyone, I want to show you how much I love running. (laughs) (laughs) So we we actually had running on kick. We've had it since we started. Okay. But the program wasn't – I think one of our key – what we always want to do at Keep It Cleaner is make health in whatever form the content Mm -hmm. is or whatever it is more accessible for people. Mm. And our running program was great, but it was written out. And so people had to work out. It was kind of, you know, run 80. If it was an interval training, they had to – it was just a bit – it wasn't wasn't done for them. Mm -hmm. And I think with running, I mean, like what we find with kick, especially with our masterclasses, it's it's a really, really popular workout type in our – on the app, which is the classes where Steph and I and a trainer or just the trainers mm-hmm. are taking you through the entire workout. They're there they're to support you. They're telling you like what technique to use and like what muscles you should be activating. Mm-hmm. It feels and like you're in a class. Yeah, it feels mm. supported. And I think that's something that with with health and fitness, it's so important that you feel supported and we, we kind of break down as many, as many barriers as we can. And I think with the running program, the way that it was built within our app, it there were still barriers to people. It wasn't as we, – we just want to take as much thinking out of it yeah, as possible so yeah. people don't have to worry. They just turn it on like just with the run. running program. And running is hard to get motivated because mm-hmm. I think so many people that I have spoken to because for me I've, I've run for so many years, I love it and I want to share that with people. Mm-hmm. But I know that so many people kind of – however their relationship, often it's in high school or primary school, mm-hmm. if you join the running team or if you don't – or if you like it or if you don't, that is where you form your relationship with running. And if you don't do athletics or you maybe try and you hate it, you think, I am not a runner. But if you are able to run, you can be a runner. Um, and I think we just make that barrier in our head. So we kind of thought what we're doing now, you know, is great, but how can we make this easier for people to access and, you know, so they can learn to love running. And so with the guided program, it's kind of it's quite similar to our masterclasses in I'm there with them every step of the way and I'm telling them when to, especially with the zero to five kilometre program, so it's eight weeks and I'm telling them in the first kind of three weeks there's a lot of you walk a lot and then you run, walk, run. Mm-hmm. But instead of them having to time it themselves, I'm telling them, okay, now you start, now, yeah. now you start walking, now you start so running. Is, yeah. So you don't have to think about it. And yeah. I think that's when it comes to health and fitness and motivation, it's it's hard to be motivated and mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's we need that little extra bit of motivation and so that's what we wanted the Kick Run program to be and it's been so awesome to see so many people trying it and the most amazing thing is just how many people, we've we've had thousands of people, we've had over 100,000 runs completed since it launched, mm-hmm. which is so awesome. That's huge. And so many of the people that completed those runs never have tried running or mm-hmm. have not tried running since school or high school mm-hmm. and they just thought that they couldn't do it. And, you know, they've run 5K and then some of them are like, okay, I'm going to do the 5 to 10K program now, which is just amazing. I needed you when I did a fun run of oh. 2011. <laughs> I did a 4.2K fun run down around the tan. 
it took me almost 50 minutes, literally would have been quicker to walk it, but I like I was adamant to do the running Yeah, motion. but you did it. I did it. Mm-hmm. That's all that I've matters. It doesn't matter how long it takes. To me, I was <laughs> kind of like, good job, tick that box. But I think running is one of those things that is a mental challenge. 100%. So I think to make that easier, then people are like, okay, I've got to run 100 metres. Is that the bench? Is that that next tree? Just make it easy for them and get people out. And I think that encouraging, and you can hear just in the way you guys talk, you're so passionate about what you're doing. You're so encouraging. It's all very, very positive. I can see why my sister's addicted to it. Absolutely. (laughs) Now, one last thing on the timeline before I get into my other questions is I've got here in February, you hit 6 million downloads on your podcast. Mm -hmm. That is huge. (laughs) Thanks. So, what you've obviously you're not busy, right? You don't have much going on and you think, let's add a podcast to it. What made you want to do that? Oh. Many different reasons, uh, I think. But for one thing that kind of sticks out to me personally anyway is Laura and I love uh, sharing, learning, sharing experiences, sharing stories, sharing personal things um, and just getting to chat directly with the community. Mm -hmm. And there's only so much you can put in like an Instagram caption or your Instagram stories. And I just feel like through the podcast, not only have we been able to share some really incredible stories with the guests that we have on, learn some really cool things through the guests we have on, or just be able to chat about how we're going or how something is happening and what we've learned along the way has been really, really nice and like humbling. And it's honestly something I look forward to every week when, when we get to chat. And it's it's funny because like even with those chats where it's just Laws and I um, and we might not have a guest – there's something about it, like we're both pretty busy. It's really nice to be able to catch up with my best friend one-on-one sometimes. But it's just really special, I think, to be able to kind of share our opinion in such a – I honestly feel like it's a safe place. I feel like our listenership is like they're really supportive. Our community is so so supportive and I feel like we can go into a little bit more detail as to how we're feeling about certain things that are happening. Maybe it's mm-hmm. a world event that's going on or an issue that's come up and actually share – our own thoughts and experience. And I, I don't know, I'm really, that's why I'm really happy that we've, we've made the space for that and made the space for other people to also do the same. It's, it's just something really special about that, but I don't know. What do you, what do you do? Yeah, I think, I mean, for us, it's, it's an amazing way to connect with our community. And I think especially for any business owners listening that are maybe had just starting their business or they're thinking about it and, it's overwhelming how much stuff there is. There's, you know, <laughs> YouTube, Pinterest, TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, there's podcasting, there's blogs, websites. There's all of these avenues that I think sometimes you feel like you need to be winning at all of them mm-hmm. to be successful. <laughs> and it's impossible really to be able to spread yourself across all those yep. unless you have a really big team. So for us, we were doing YouTubing quite a bit and YouTube is a fantastic way to build a community and really connect with people because I feel like if you're going to sit mm. down and watch someone's 20 minute YouTube video of what they did in that day, like you're pretty connected you're with invested, them, right? Yep. You're invested. And that's how we get to know people. Like there's some YouTubers that, and it's kind of the same with Instagram, but like, you know what the inside of their bedroom looks like and like yeah. they tell you about their marriage and like, you know, so much about yeah. them. You don't even know them. So we did try YouTube for quite a long time. We still have the channel, but 
it probably wasn't the best platform for us. In not that we, naturally, though. it just we just for, for Steph and I filming our lives every single day in the way that you have to with YouTube. It just wasn't something that we enjoyed. And so when you don't mm. enjoy something, it's really hard to yeah. do it all the time. Yeah. It feels like a chore, and then we never, you know. But podcasting for us, once we discovered the podcasting as a platform, is um, as Steph was saying, that is a natural platform for us to share what we do and we we thought you know we are connecting with our community through the podcast so then instead of putting our time across youtube and podcasting we stopped filming youtube videos and then focused on the podcast Mm. you actually have led me straight into my next question and that's about kind of being in front of your brand Mm. you guys you had personal profiles beforehand you've come together and created the brand that kind of exists as its own entity right keep it clean it is its own entity you've got other people or your trainers and everything that exist as talent within the brand as well so you've taken the burden kind of off just you two having the brand you have your own personal profiles as well how how do i phrase this people who are small business owners in those early days who are feeling really kind of and even for me, I find it a lot of times stepping out from behind your brand, literally, mm-hmm. and being the face and putting yourself forward. Do you think there's a lot of benefit to doing that for your brand? And where do you draw the line? Like you said, some people will talk about their marriages. They'll talk about all kinds of things. How do you guys make that balance? I think so. I, I'll talk to the first part and then Steph, mm, you speak yeah. to the boundaries part. I, I think with if you're a small business owner listening, I think what we've seen over the past, you know, maybe seven years since social media has become really big. Mm-hmm. Is and, and the way that people have, from a personal perspective, the way that people have interacted with Keep It Cleaner and even how we interact with brands, if you know there's a human behind a company and it's not just a brand, mm-hmm. not that it, it can't just be a brand, but if it's a brand and you don't know who's behind it and you think of like, I don't know, some big like company, mm-hmm. you don't, how do you connect with that? Yeah. How do you connect with, with a, a product. It's really hard to connect with a product, but what we can connect with is humans and we know how to connect with humans. And so if we, if you do own your own brand, there's obviously some sacrifices. It's hard to put yourself out there. It's kind of also, it's, it's probably embarrassing. It, well, mm-hmm. Probably it was embarrassing for, for oh us. It's hard to put yourself out there because we're so afraid of other people's judgment, but you just need to let that go. It's so important because, you know, you're living your life and you don't need to worry about what others are thinking of you. But I think for me, it's, yeah, that's that's the main reason I think it can have so much power because people can see who's behind the brand and connect with you and then they connect with your product better. And they can even learn a little bit of the history as to like why the brand even exists. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think honestly having our, what we went through personally before Kick has helped the community relate to us as business owners and relate to our story and understand where Kit kind of came from and that and that does help build a, a more passion for the brand. So I completely agree with everything you just said. And it's I think the boundaries though, where where it is hard and the sacrifices you touched on, Laws, is basically you are putting yourself out there for judgment, mm-hmm. unsolicited advice. Like it's gonna happen, yeah. unfortunately. And so that's where I think as an individual, you do have to decide where you're gonna draw your own line. Mm-hmm. Um I share a lot of my life. If I'm going to talk personally about it, my own decision, I share a lot of my life. Um, there's really actually not too much that I don't share, but that is because that's kind of where it all started for me, was sharing my personal life and my own personal experience. And I built my personal brand before we started Kick. And so for me, it's been really passionate to – for me, I'm really passionate to continue – building that and really for me it just kind of comes naturally and it doesn't feel awkward or wrong at all because I'm so used to it but I can absolutely see how daunting it would be 
if you have never really been present on social media, you're thinking about launching a business and through that process, you're also thinking, "Mm, probably means I should make a little bit of a, you know, face myself as well and like maybe show my face. And it is a big decision. But as Laura said, you just have to be prepared to try not to let the judgment get you down or if anyone kind of picks you apart personally to get you down because you're not going to, just as your brand won't tick everyone's boxes, you as a person aren't going to be able to tick everyone's boxes. It's taken me years to get to a point where I don't care so much anymore. Um, You know, especially I think when you do have a brand and people know that you're connected to that brand, there is that extra bit of pressure to like make sure that you're always pleasing everyone because you would hate to do anything that was ever going to affect your business in a negative way. So there is that pressure as well. But at the end of the day, you're human. And if you're choosing to put yourself out there uh, for people to get to know you a little bit more and, and understand the brand a little bit more and people have an issue with that, that's their problem, not yours. Mm-hmm. Um, but really like how much you say or how much you do share, that's each to their own. Like you, you can't tell someone how much they need to share. It's really – it really comes down to them. I'm glad you answered that. <laughs> okay. So over the last oh, however many years now, seven years, you've had highs and lows. Mm-hmm. Tell me, and we're going to start with the lows. I always like to start with the lows, but I'd like you to give me one each if you can. Tell me your lowest low. I'm sorry, you weren't prepared for that. (laughs) Tell me your lowest low in in the business. And it can be a personal stage that you experienced during the business. And then we're going to bring everyone back up and talk about the highest high. Amazing. You want to go first? I I know which one you're going to do, so you you take this. Do you? What if I'm – I hope you go. Well, you will because – yeah. Okay. We'll, we shall see. Mine, I think mine is more of a, because I think of from a business perspective, everything we've done to get to where we are now, yes, we've had lows, but they've taught us so yeah. much mm-hmm. the about lessons. the lessons are so important. I think I don't want to take away from that. Mm-hmm. And we are not at kick. We're not doc, we're not curing cancer. Mm-hmm. So really we could make a mistake and I don't know, might affect the revenue a tiny bit, but it's, we've, we can solve this everything mm-hmm. yeah. to this point touch wood but to this point every single problem that we've been faced with within the business we have been able to solve and come out the other end Mm -hmm. but I think for me personally it would be uh, how my confidence was in 2020 it was super low to the point where I at at one stage was considering like what mentally if I had to go back to uni and like completely do something else because I just had zero skills and I didn't know what to do you thought you had zero skills yeah, you definitely have skills. <laughs> but I think it was it was a very, very, very dark period of, yeah. of self-doubt for me and that was really hard to work through, work through it. Um, and I think it's one of those things that as Kik has grown, we have thought, I, I have always thought that the bigger Kik got or the more successful, when I say successful in quotation marks, mm-hmm. marks like mm-hmm. however everyone defines success differently, I thought it would get easier because then it would be like, okay, well, I don't know, we'd just be more... I just feel like, okay, maybe we do know what we're doing. I only speak for myself because you definitely know what you're doing, Steffi. Anyway. <laughs> Again, this is so cute. But, but I think what's, what the, the truth is that as you grow, you then think, oh, my goodness, the person that I thought would be running this business of this size in my head does not look anything like mm-hmm. me. And that's really, really hard to deal with. Um, but I think it's one of those things, self-doubt, confidence, it's something that we need to work on ourselves and no one is going to fix us, fix it for us. And I did a lot of work on myself and I learn a lot. Um, and now I'm feeling empowered and all good. But, yeah, that was probably the lowest low for me. 
Yeah, it was... Um, is that what you thought I was going to say? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> and I wanted to answer it in a similar way because, as you said, when I think of the business lows, I just – I wouldn't really take back mm. any because it's it's just – it's what our journey was and it's what it is. And it's the same for any personal lows as well. And that period uh, of 2020 as well was, was particularly hard for, for me as well and I think it – came to a point in that period where and there was a lot of a lot of factors I mean we were in the midst of COVID COVID, right working from home being isolated not being with our friends and family you know a lot of things that usually ground you and kind of you know where you can build back up your confidence and your sense of self and everything Mm -hmm. and we really both like dove into kick because that's really all we could keep ourselves busy with and so when stuff at work isn't necessarily going well or your confidence at work isn't going well it really affects you as a whole and so for me I kind of went through a similar uh, notion I suppose where I questioned my position in the business and I questioned how valuable I I was in the business and if I was necessarily needed anymore Um, and that was really shitty (laughs) Um, and I'm glad we both came out of that space Uh, and then I think uh Learned a lot from it though, and um, I'm feeling really good about it now. But then, since then, there's been some other challenges like coming back since having Harvey. That journey's been really up and down, and every single day is different. It's actually funny, we had a check in with our not funny, but we had a check in with our team this morning, and we kind of went around the circle and, and used a few describing words as to how we're feeling at the moment and just kind of expressed ourselves. and. Mm-hmm. It's something that's really important to us to always check in with one another. And um, for me, the two words that I used were overwhelmed and um, excited. There's a lot of things that are exciting me at the moment with what we're doing. And even being back at work is exciting. But that feeling of overwhelm and being, you know, feeling, questioning myself and my abilities, that's come up every single day since I've come back from that leave. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm right in the middle of those two feelings and I'm feeling them pretty parallel other days I'm more excited, but there has been some days where overwhelm has absolutely taken over and I've felt like I'm in way too deep and I question everything that I'm doing and every little task is like a huge mountain and that's been really hard too. But I'm super fortunate with the team that we have and the way that we work so collaboratively and to obviously have my best friend as my business partner in in supporting me through it. Uh, Whilst it's been a low, it's been manageable, Mm -hmm. um, which is, yeah which I know I'm really fortunate to say. Yeah, I think, thank you for sharing that, both of you. I think people will find that really refreshing to hear that from people who are established business owners, that 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 feeling that they are probably feeling at the moment is, is natural. And I think um, we did an episode with Kayla from Tribe Skincare and she said, you know, it's just the bigger you get, the bigger your problems get. Mm-hmm. And it's you're not always that ideal person in your Chanel suits and high heels <laughs> oh, managing. No, no, suits. But it's one of those things, it's like even this morning, as Steph said, I, I think we have these ideas of what a strong leader should look like. And when before we went around this morning and I brought it to the team, I thought I, I went back and forth for about an hour about what my two were going to be and I put it on everyone else. No one knew they were going to have to do it, but I had time to think about it. And I went back and forth about if I could include anything that was a little bit vulnerable and I, so I said the word a little bit overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. 
And I, the reason I was so hesitant on using that word is because I thought I don't want anyone in this team to think for me as a CEO of the business that our, you know, one of our leaders is overwhelmed and hasn't got it all together because I didn't want them to think that, oh, maybe the business isn't going well, which is absolutely not what I was referring to. Mm-hmm. Um, or she hasn't got it all together. Is she the right person to lead the business and all these things? But it's funny internally this this thing. And I, and I then thought, no, because it's so important to show that every single person, we are all human, we yes. all go through ups and downs and that's okay. I think if we have this idea in our head that we need to be this perfect human all the time and everything's mm-hmm. positive, it, that doesn't help anyone no. because it's not a realistic view of, you know, even I'm sure the, I mean, for example, the CEO of Atlatison, which is, you know, one of the biggest companies ever to come out of Australia, almost in the world, has imposter syndrome mm-hmm. and that's okay. And mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that we're weak, that we feel that way and, it, and it's okay to talk about it too. Absolutely agree. And I think a lot of maybe what we see in terms of leadership, what makes a good leader, that's a really masculine figure mm-hmm. a lot of the time. And it's that real American hustle-y, you no know. No emotion, yeah. like yell and like. Wolf of yeah. Wall Street yeah. kind of breathes, vibe. Yeah. Has no life outside yeah. of work, but yeah. that's not realistic. And also I think there's a real power in embracing your vulnerabilities mm. and sharing them. And, and there's a reason why people connect with you guys, why your team is successful, why you've got that great dynamic. And that's. That's exactly that. It's your willingness to be open. So mm-hmm. thank you for sharing that. I think people will be really surprised and refreshed to hear that. Now that everyone is depressed, let's talk about <laughs> your highest highs in the business. I would say the team. I mean, every day when I when I look around and, and look at, I mean, for Steph and I, it's it says something for us to be very passionate, as passionate yeah. as we are about what we're doing and mm-hmm. what Keep It Cleaner is. But to have other people bought in to, you know, what we're doing and be on this mission with us is is the most special feeling in, in the whole world. So, yeah, it's definitely oh, the team. Absolutely. Every time we put a job, uh, you know, up on LinkedIn and, and people are applying to work on our, in our team, it's like, what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is the coolest thing ever. Like people actually want to work with, with Kick. It's so incredible. So I, I completely agree. It's, it's a continuous kind of pinch me moment. And everyone's going to know what I'm about to say, which is no one has ever answered that with like hitting a dollar figure. Yeah. And they're like almost yeah. 50 episodes. No one has ever, ever said it's when I hit X revenue. Mm. So thank you for continuing that. Now, a question I've recently added to the roster is if you were starting a whole new brand today, has nothing to do with kick, what would you do? What would be the most important thing you would do? I think like one thing that you just touched on then being that, you know, no one's ever come on here and said that money was something they're most proud of. I think if that's your number one driver for starting a business, Mm -hmm. that's kind of already a bit of a red flag because there's so many hurdles, so many low points of running a business and starting a business particularly. And if your only driver is money, which is a huge area of running a business and a lot of the time it's not in, you know, super positive land, um, you'll give up pretty soon and pretty quickly. And so I think the main thing is got to make sure that you're super passionate about what you're putting out there. It's got to mean something to you. You've got to believe in it because you've got to be able to sell it to to everyone else. And people can read through bullshitters. They can, Um, especially now in this day and age as well, Um, particularly if you are, you know, putting your personal face to the brand as well. Um, So I think just making sure that you're super passionate about the business that you're starting out, 
money is not the only goal or your main focus, absolutely. And making sure that you might not just be passionate about it, but it's also not already out there. Like there is, I mean, there's markets that are totally saturated and, you know, Kik is in one of those markets that Mm -hmm. is saturated, but we have our points of difference and we still always stay true to who we are and what our goal is. And we've never, you know, strayed from that. And that's really important as well. So once you figure out who you are and what you want your brand to be and look like and feel and the values, really stay true to that. And whilst you can always take inspiration from what other people are doing or trying uh, and obviously be aware of where your market's going, don't try and be anyone else because they already exist. So uniqueness is is huge in business. Um, And yeah, that's pretty... That's yeah, m- I mean, that's great. It. That's great advice, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Absolutely agree with all of that. And I'd also say one thing that that I think really helped us in the beginning was having built a bit of a community before we launched a product. Mm-hmm. So for us it was, you know, through social media um, and then with, with my blog having a people that were interested in healthy yep. recipes and giving them value before we even started. It's something that Glossier did so well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and anyone with community is so important. And I think if you can build a community, and I know it's hard, it's not, I, mean, I know it's saying build a community before you mm-hmm. launch a product. It's not just like you can just Google like build a community and it's built. Yeah. There's a lot of work that goes into it. But if you can create a community with that are like-minded and they, they want your product, mm-hmm. Um, then that's something that I think can, like, for example, if you're going to launch a education course, you have to make sure that before you launch it, you know, give them, give your community, create a community of a group of people. That's how it starts, you know, with one or two mm-hmm. people and they tell someone and then they tell someone else. Yeah. Um to give them, show them, I don't know, tips around learning or whatever it might be. So then when you have your product, there's a group there that are actually wanting what you're going to sell. Mm-hmm. And also you've probably proven your knowledge by giving that value as well at Mm. the same time. So building a community and being true to yourself Mm. and the brand. Very similar advice. I spoke to Anna from Vita Glow earlier today and she was saying as well, like there's so many, it is so many markets are saturated now. There's never been a better time to be an Mm. entrepreneur. But you know what? I will probably say on the flip side, there's probably never been a harder time Mm. because there are so many people around. So... Do I want to start another brand? I'm not sure. (laughs) Now, for people who are struggling at the moment, a lot of the people who are listening, I'd say, are in the first three years. What advice would you give them? Oh, it's hard. So I think the first thing that would come to mind is keep at it because you don't know what door is going to open for you or what opportunity is is going to come and you don't want to close your business you know the day before you're about to receive an email from like a stockist that could change your life oh my or God, what if that happened to me you know but but I think <laughs> there's also a, um a blind where you need to know what to call it because mm, yes, there's totally. I, I don't know what the stat is but the percentage of small businesses or businesses that uh, last longer than one year is quite small mm-hmm and I think you need to know, I think you need to be honest with yourself when you start of have you got, especially if you've you've stopped your job and you're working full time on it, mm-hmm. if you're supporting your family or whatever it might be, you need to make a call. You don't want to put yourself in like huge debt yeah. um, and then, you know, have to pay that off for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's hard because when when do you know when to call it I think mm-hmm. my advice is kind of not very good advice because no, it's like it's you know you dream true. big but you also have to know when be to be realistic it. yeah you do yeah. you have to know that you 100%. have a business right and not a hobby that's costing you money 100% that's good that's exactly what I was trying to say okay. but a thousand times better and more okay. concise okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I think also you, you can there's certain people 
um, that you can reach out to as well. People that you really, really trust that they're going to tell you the truth. And obviously people that understand your business or Mm -hmm. understand business in general is probably the better way to go. So obviously harder for those of you who who may not know anyone Mm -hmm. in the space that you're in, but really reach out to people. If if you're really struggling with that uh, decision as well, I think sometimes it does take someone else to help you that might be someone looking into it being like oh my god no 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 what you've got going is really good just Mm -hmm. keep pushing Mm -hmm. it might take someone to be like okay well let's look at this realistically you're in x amount of debt this is what we've got forecasted this is a big decision Mm -hmm. but what do you want to do you know sometimes it does take some like someone with a little bit more experience to have that conversation with um so don't be afraid to reach out as well because I think everyone in in the business world has been there they might not have ever started their own business Mm -hmm. but they've also been through struggles in 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 other ways so yeah it's worth it's worth having a chat to someone else about too I completely Mm -hmm. agree I was able to sit down with the CFO the Australian CFO of Chobani Mm -hmm. and run through my books Mm -hmm. and my projections and everything and make some proper decisions hard decisions but based on facts and based on uh they're not emotionally connected. No, that's it. yeah, exactly. They're just like, you know what, this is what the numbers are saying. Totally. This is where you're at. And I think that's important. And I think maybe people should know as well, this doesn't even need to be just for your business as a whole. It could even be for a specific product offering you offer. Yeah. You can make those decisions, go, is this serving my business? Can I focus elsewhere? And I think mm-hmm. it's also funny because that's not to say that every conversation where Laura and I have reached out to a mentor or someone that we looked up to for advice and Mm -hmm. we've gotten that advice, we haven't always taken it. Mm -hmm. But I think when we've had those conversations, we've realized through having that conversation how passionate we might be Mm. about something. Mm -hmm. And we've gone, you know what? They said not to, but like, I'm still feeling like we should. So let's do it. And more often than not, you know, it's all right. It's fine. And even if it's not, you pick yourself back up and Mm -hmm. you're okay. So I think, yeah, never be scared to like reach out for help in that way. And and even if it is those big decisions you need help with, because it can be really, really hard, especially if you're running a business by yourself. Like we've always been so lucky to have each other. Yeah, It can be really hard if you have no one else to kind of Mm -hmm. ask the question to or bounce ideas off. As a follow-on from that, and this is absolutely not on the list I briefed you, but who do you guys look up to as businesswomen? (laughs) Who else do you look up to in the business world? Oh, I mean, there's quite a few... I mean, it depends on <coughs> Renee Brown. Yeah, we. I mean, we are. <laughs> I love Renee Brown and her, the way that she leads. I think there's quite a few people. We've also got mm. um, a female board member that we brought on and she's absolutely fantastic. Her name is Gabrielle. Um, and then within our own business, we've got incredible women, um, incredible leadership team and, and women working in the business who – We learn from And people every working day. in the business that we learn from every day. So – I, I think it, it's we've both got lots of people and I think that the best thing is too is like for example Brene Brown is not someone that I am calling up and getting advice from unfortunately <laughs> hey, you know maybe that's my drive right that's that's the goal get in her phone book. but there's so much information out there for us now we are so lucky with podcasting like speaking mm-hmm. of podcasting you can access people that we could never access, mm-hmm. you know, 10 or 20 years ago that are giving all of this information out. And it's like you sit down and have a mentoring session with them, but mm-hmm. they don't know they're talking to you, but you're, you know, you're listening. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's it's really thinking about what is out there and there, there's so much amazing information, especially podcasting is my favourite way to, to learn from people. Um, so I would definitely recommend, you know, listening to every podcast that inspires you. And, yeah, for me that's definitely one area. And then Steffi. Oh. I think having each other is just, you know, it's 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 crazy because I, I think when you have a, a business partner and someone who you respect and and supports you so much and respects you, it's 
not doing it alone, it can be really isolating mm. doing it. Or I can imagine it would be in the things that I've done by myself. It, it is isolating. Mm. It's really hard. And you always second guess yourself because you don't have someone there to, to back you. Mm. And I think that's been yeah huge for us and me. Yeah, completely agree. You. And I think also like, you know, having each other, we know when each other is at our best and we know each other when we're at our worst and we know when that person might need a little bit of extra support or it's just it's so helpful having someone else to to talk to and to talk through struggles you might be going through or to just get really excited about something that's happening and you know bring each other up um so I literally every single day and being inspired by Laura in many more ways than just through business as well but um as as Lawsy touched on we're both pretty passionate about continuing to learn and grow and there's so much that I don't know and that's okay and I know that there's also I'm never going to get to a point where I know everything Mm -hmm. and I'm never going to get to a point where I'm skilled in everything as well I mean that's why we have the team that we do because there was many areas that we Mm. were really just kind of winging it until Mm. we you know could have a team Um, and so I'm learning off them every day and that is 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 really really nice and really inspiring. And before I let you go I want you to plug Something that's, well, it's coming up, yeah. but by the time this goes live in two weeks, it will be brand new and launched. What is next for Kick? So we are launching a new form of Pilates, which is Bar into the Kick app, which we're so excited. And I think one of the most exciting, it's not just the form of Pilates being Bar that, that's the most exciting, but we've got a new trainer and her name's Kika and she is a little pocket rocket of energy. She's just got the most incredible energy in her classes. When we were filming with her, I just remember both of us were just smiling. Like we had this mm-hmm. creepy, like massive <laughs> grin, um, glowy cheeks as we would just watch her in action. Yeah. And we just looked at each other like community are going to love her. And we are just so excited to do these workouts ourselves. Like it's, um, it's pretty, it's a pretty exciting launch. I think everyone's going to love it. And I, as I said, I'm just personally excited to be able to have them so yeah, I can the follow work, them the from home. The are really good. They're, They're really, challenging. So if my, you like like a glute burn, also my burn, it's like, is yeah. already burning. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And it's like fast paced. She like really, really speaks you through every, every movement really encourages you all the way. It's, um, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. <laughs> Amazing. Well, congratulations on the new launch. And then my final question for everyone, if you could go back and do it all over again, would you do it again? Of course. Yep. Yes. Yep. <laughs> no. <laughs> now we're out, no? actually. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, if people want to know more about you and follow your journey and the brand, where can they find you on socials? We are on many socials, <laughs> TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, uh, but we are at Keep It Cleaner, at Laura.Henshaw and at Steph Claire Smith and – yeah, follow Laura on TikTok for oh many. God, no, I'm not good at many TikTok. Oh my god, you are, okay, you're, you're actually so really cute. good. Oh god, they I'm are. Just, it's something that is my TikTok is an example of. I don't want to be. I don't want to be like those brands, like those big corporate brands that were like, "Oh, we don't need Instagram," and then be like, mm-hmm. "Far out! Why did we not start?" Yeah. And so, also in the, the theme of vulnerability and putting yourself out there, I am just giving it a go. You know what, Laura? Don't lie. I think you enjoy it. Oh, I sometimes do. Sometimes I get really not. Uh, but there's, yeah, so TikTok. And then we've also got, if anyone does want to track it, we have a seven-day free trial, which you can find on the App Store on our website. And I will link to that in the show notes. Thank so you. Thank you so much, it. it was so nice you to yeah. catch up. Thank you so much for coming yeah. on and for sharing your story so vulnerably, so open. Again, I think 
people will really connect with what you've said today. I know I did. And people don't expect people who've had this level of, I know, as you said, it's different for everyone, but success to be so open and to be feeling those same emotions that a lot of people feel in the early days. So thank you for just being really real in this conversation. Thanks, Thanks. for having uh, Yeah, thank you for having me. I guess <laughs> I'm actually in your space. Thank you for coming along. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Behind the Brand. Now, guys, if you loved today's episode, I would love if you would leave me a review over on Apple Podcasts. And for your time, I will send you a copy of a press release template that you can use in your small business straight away. So all you need to do is pop onto the Apple Podcasts app, leave a written review, take a screenshot, head over to Instagram and DM it to me over at at behindthebrand.podcast and I will email you your press release template. Sound like a good deal? Talk soon. Thank you.